Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Our Heavenly Father understands our disappointment, suffering, pain, fear, and doubt. He is always there to encourage our hearts and help us understand that He's sufficient for all of our needs. When I accepted this as an absolute truth in my life, I found that my worrying stopped. That quote is from Dr. Charles Stanley. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. I am so glad that you're tuning in today's podcast. And my prayer right out the gate for you and for me is that you and I would overcome our doubts. We would not live a life consumed with doubt, but rather that we will overcome them, that we will face the challenges in this life, my friend, the challenges that I'm faced with, the doubts that I'm dealing with, and then I give them to the Lord, that you give them to the Lord as we open the pages of God's Word. So as we open uh, today's podcast and we look at Matthew 11 and Luke chapter 7 and we look at the life of John the Baptist and we look at how he struggled with doubt, but to see the answer of how he overcame it, to see how Jesus dealt with him, it is my prayer that you and I, whatever we're faced with, whatever difficulty, that we can overcome it in Christ. Now, if you've been following along, today is podcast 44, and the title is When Doubts Consume Your Mind. So like I said before, we'll be looking at John the Baptist and learn a thing or two about him. The previous podcast, podcast 43, we looked at Jesus, his healing power. We saw the faith, the tremendous faith in which Jesus marveled because of the centurion when he came and he pleaded before God to heal his little servant who was dying. And we know that Jesus spoke the word, and at that instant, he was healed. And then from there, Jesus went southeast, a day's journey, to a little town called Nine, or Nan. And there was a procession. There was a funeral going on where a a widow had lost her son. And Jesus was moved with compassion, and he approached the dead man, and he told him to rise, and he resurrected a man. Okay, so that's where we lead into now on today's podcast, because this news now, remember that was the first resurrection account that Jesus had a, a little bit over a year later since he started his ministry. So John the Baptist's disciples, they hear about all these amazing things that Jesus is doing, and so they go and they tell, Jesus to, uh, they tell John the Baptist in prison, the mind-blowing miracles that Jesus was performing. Now, remember, John had been in prison shortly after he had baptized Jesus. You go back to Matthew 4 and Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4 and John chapter 4. And at this stage, you can imagine that he was growing weary and doubtful concerning whether or not Jesus is truly the Son of God. Remember, John the Baptist wasn't personally witnessing these things. He was not going alongside of Jesus. And not to say that he couldn't, just because he decreased his ministry to give Jesus the the, the stage, if you will, didn't mean that, that John couldn't follow him. But because John was such a bold man, because he was so centered on God's truth and God's calling, he could not allow people like King Herod to get away with the perversion and the sin that he was committing. And of course, that costed him 
eventually his life. So at this stage, at this time, as we're going through a chronological teaching of the Gospels, John the Baptist is now in prison. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump into Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. You can cross-reference Matthew 11, 2 through 19 to get um, Matthew's account. So let's jump right into Luke chapter 7, verse 18. It says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples, said to him, Send them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and even spirits. And on many who were blind he bestowed sight, and he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We play the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. All right, so I have to admit that this is a very confusing passage, and so I'll do my best to try to explain portions of it to give us a greater insight and to explain some of these confusing phrases that Jesus puts forth. But my main emphasis on today's podcast is to address doubt. Looking at John's frustration, looking at his struggles, looking at his doubts, and how he overcomes them. So the first thing we see is that John questions if Jesus is the Messiah in Luke chapter 7, 18 and 20 in Matthew 11, 2 and 3. Notice it says in Matthew 11, 2, it says that John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ. Remember, John had prepared the way for Jesus for a long time, and now he's stuck in prison. He's awaiting death. He's not able to see firsthand the deeds of Jesus. He's having to hear from other people. John was accustomed, by the way, remember, to just roam freely in the wilderness, and now he's confined in a prison. Now, when you look at Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6 and Luke chapter 3, we're told how John got into prison. He confronted King Herod because King Herod had divorced his wife and he married Herodias, who was the wife of his brother Philip. So John confronts him in his sin, his perversion, and breaking God's commandments and God's laws. And he's thrown in prison. Of course, Herodias hated John and eventually had him killed. And we'll talk about that in later podcasts. But you see 
that John goes from being this very powerful prophet, this man who is the herald of God, who's the voice of God, who's preparing the way of the Messiah, and he lands up in prison. A lot of us would think right away, like, God, I did all this for you, and this is my payout. This is what I get in return. It's kind of like you know, when you work for something and then you don't get anything for it. And you feel not only disappointed, but frustrated and feel like that's insulting when people don't give you the recognition that you think that you deserve. Well, could you imagine John? So let's not just overlook this and think, oh, this is John the Baptist, no big deal. No, this is a big deal. John is struggling here. He's calling things into question, even whether or not he did what he was called to do. If you go back to Matthew 3, 11 and 12, for example, here's a great description of what John had to say about the coming ministry of the Messiah. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So you could imagine John sitting in prison and playing back all of these things that he had said all of these things that he had said about the Messiah that he told people about when he was baptizing him in the Jordan River, when he got to see Jesus, when he got to baptize him, and he got to see him formulating his thoughts and speaking in the synagogues and gathering his disciples together and many of his disciples leaving John, right, and going to Jesus. But now he's in prison and he's thinking, okay, does this add up? Was God really using me? Or was this all, uh, you know, a waste of time? You know, John wasn't the only one who struggled, my friends, through this type of doubt, this type of hardship in his calling. In Numbers chapter 11, if you remember, Moses, remember, he was ready to give up on God's people. And what about Elijah? Remember, after the great miracle he did with fire coming down from heaven and killing off all of these different prophets of Baal? After that, he gets so scared and he flees for his life in 1 Kings 19. And Jeremiah, remember his faithful, devoted calling for 40 years, yet he felt deceived and abandoned by God in Jeremiah 20? My friends, the reality is as humans, we will face doubts, we will face hardships, we will face challenges too great for us to deal with, to handle on our own. We need God's help. And John is recognizing this. And so he has questions and he's seeking for answers. So now the second thing we see here is that Jesus answers John's doubts about himself in Matthew 11, 4 through 6 and Luke 7, 21 and 23. Notice here in verse 21 of Luke 7, in that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. So Jesus had been doing this Remember, since the start of his ministry, go back to Matthew 4, 23 and Mark 3, 10. Jesus not only gave sight to the blind, but as the truth, he shined his light on others so that they could see spiritually. So Jesus is saying to John's disciples, you need to go back and tell him that because that's prophetic. What I'm actually doing and raising the dead and the poor have good news preached to them is what the prophets have said about me. So upon hearing of John's doubts, Jesus noticed didn't rebuke John and say to his disciples, you go back to tell John, I can't believe that after all that he had done for me and preparing the way, he's now questioning that. Forget him. Don't go back to him. He deserves to rotten in hell kind of a thing. No, that's not the attitude that Jesus gives in response. Instead, Jesus wanted to provide assurance to John 
that he is the Messiah by pointing to how he was fulfilling the prophecies according to the prophet Isaiah. You go back to Isaiah 26, 19, Isaiah 29, 18, Isaiah 35, 5, and 6. You remember that famous passage in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, where Jesus eventually said this in Luke chapter 4, 16 and 21, where we read this passage not long ago in the synagogue, quoting the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61, saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, many Jews had difficulty believing Jesus to be the long-awaited Messiah because they thought he would immediately usher in his kingdom by defeating the Romans. So John's in prison. He's hearing some great things that Jesus is doing, but guess what? He's still in prison, as I mentioned. King Herod is still perverted, doing his thing. The Romans are still in power. However, that was not the calling and the mission of Jesus. John can question. It gave opportunity for him to... Uh, be challenged to consider some options here. But in the midst of doubt, he was able to formulate the right questions to bring to Jesus, who is ultimately the answer, because Jesus being the ultimate answer can bring clarity, can bring answers to the people. Now, Jesus did this by looking at the evidence, by pointing to what the prophets had said that he would do, and he did them. And I believe that brought great comfort to John. Now, remember, John, sometimes, you know, in our minds, we know this to be true, but sometimes we just need it to be reinforced. So John knew that, okay, the blind will receive sight, the lepers will be cleansed, the, the dead will rise again, the good news will be preached. And Jesus is saying, yes, that's what I'm doing. That's what Isaiah said that I would come to do. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So when you said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that is my mission, John, not to necessarily free you from prison physically, literally, not to get rid of King Herod, but to bring salvation to mankind. Now, the third thing is Jesus now tells the crowd of John's extraordinary ministry. This is in Matthew eleven seven through 15 and Luke 7, 24 through 30. So this is some of these weird phrases that I want to bring some explanation to. Notice the first thing, the question that Jesus says is, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? So he's reminding them, you go back to John's ministry before I came. John was a steady and strong prophet. That's where this reed shaken by the wind. He says he's not something that's breakable. He came with a strong, unbreakable, right? Immovable message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This phrase, a man dressed, this description here, a man dressed in soft clothing, basically implies that John didn't care about his appearances. He didn't care about what people thought. Remember, he called out the wealthy. He called out the people that were ripping people off. He didn't allow the riches of the world to sidetrack his calling. He was not a bought man. He was not paid off. He came to usher in the Messiah at all costs. And look, it landed him in prison. And eventually he was beheaded as a result. The message of Jesus to the world is this. He tells people that despite the fact that John's in prison, despite the fact that John has questions and he's being challenged right now with some doubt, he was more than a prophet. In Malachi 3, remember 1 and 2, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like Fuller's soap. 
That is amazing description. You, I mean, think about it, my friend. You had 400 years that Israel had been without a prophet. And then John comes on scene and he's preaching and he's baptizing people in the Jordan River in the wilderness. He was the chosen herald of God to usher in the Messiah. This calling was strictly given to one man and it was John. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary calling. And what's even more extraordinary is how Jesus deals with John's doubts. He has this great calling. It's prophetic. He fulfills it. He does what God had called him to do. He decreases from there. He calls out the high-powered individuals. He's not ashamed to do it. He does it because of great conviction. He lands up in prison. But what's extraordinary is Jesus doesn't condemn him and say, John, after all that you've done and yet you, you, you now have this doubt, shame on you. You know better of all people that are living on this earth. And I gave you this opportunity. I gave you one of the greatest callings and you disappoint me because now you're questioning me. Jesus doesn't do it. He doesn't condemn John. And my friends, he will not condemn you, you or me. When you and I come to him, just like John did through his disciples, he will not turn away from us. Jesus reminds his people how truly faithful he is. But what's interesting and what I think is fascinating, particularly people that are called into full-time ministry, because we can oftentimes get sidetracked and just get into the routine of things. But, we're, but we need to be reminded and encouraged. If you're in ministry in any capacity, be reminded of this. Yes, God is faithful. And what's so neat about a faithful God is he wants faithfulness in us. He wants devotion in us. God is not waiting for us to fail and zap us for it and say, oh man, you're doing so well and then you just blew it. What Jesus did here with John, and I pray that we would have a great takeaway that can encourage each one of us. Despite some of the doubts and struggles of John, he still says he was faithful. He still says he was a, de- he was a devoted individual. He was the forerunner of God. And I think that should really put things in perspective for all of us because even if a guy like John the Baptist, or as I mentioned before, Moses or Jeremiah, struggled and wanted to give up, don't beat yourself up when you feel the same. Even a man at John's caliber who struggled with doubt still received the assurance from the Lord. So you and I, despite what you and I will do at times in our life, and of course, I know I'm ashamed of many of the things that I have done and even thought of, and have had to come with my tail, if you will, between my legs before God and ask for his forgiveness. There's times I've had to go to my wife. I've had to go to a respected individual, a mentor friend of my in my life and say, man, I'm just struggling with these things and I feel so ashamed. But when there's true grace and there's true mercy, you and I don't walk away with guilt, with regret. We walk away having the assurance that God's love for us is still far greater than you and I can ever imagine. There's nothing that you and I can do to ultimately separate us from the love of our Father. And I believe at this time when the disciples go back to John, he receives that. But it doesn't end there. Notice what Jesus continues to say about John to the crowd. He says in Luke 7, 28, there's none greater than John. So again, despite the mistakes, the shortcomings, the sin, the doubt of John, Jesus still says there's none greater than John. That is a label. That is a, that is a title given to nobody else but John. But here's what's great about the gospel message. Yes, John is awesome. Moses is awesome. All these people, the patriarchs are awesome. But you and I are not as Christians to look at them and think, well, I'm not John. 
the Baptist. I'm I'm not Jeremiah. I'm I'm no Moses. Of course not. They have a certain calling, just like you and I have a certain calling. But notice what Jesus says to follow this statement by John being the greatest. He says to the crowd, but guess what? The one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. You see, in that culture, in, in both the Jew, Jewish people and the Gentiles, they always compared people, not just based on whether or not they were good, but if they were better. Of course, nothing's changed today. So what Jesus was saying is John, however, you know, he gladly, he gladly resigned from his post and he, he submitted to the authority in the ministry of Christ. And Jesus praises John, not only in his faithful execution as a prophet and a forerunner, but he praised him because of the humility. And so when you and I have doubts and when you and I can humbly come before God and say, Lord, I've been struggling and I've been doubting you. I've been doubting you in prayer. I've been doubting you for who you are. I've been doubting the scriptures. I've been doubting the blessings you've given me or I've been complaining or I've been critical. When you and I come with that type of humility, the Bible says that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater. So when you and I come with that type of attitude, God blesses that. And notice the response, though, that people had about John. Jesus reminded people, you know, he didn't come eating and drinking, but yet people said that he had a demon. You know, that generation at the time, they were reluctant to listen to John, and they were vile towards Jesus and to his ministry. You know, Jesus was aware of the, these personal attacks, and he pointed out what the religious leaders had to say about him. He, but, he, but what Jesus does is, again, like he didn't attack John, he didn't attack in a disrespectful way, the religious leaders. But he points out their false accusations about, about him. And he reminds the people that true wisdom, catch this, my friends, true wisdom is found in those who are justified in the truth of God, not in the wisdom of man. So as we conclude this podcast, here's some of the takeaway. And I hope this will encourage you as you continue your day today and as you move forward in your relationship with God, don't think because you have doubts that you are pathetic. Don't think because you have doubts that you can't come before God. Do what John the Baptist did. As you're taking in the evidence, you're hearing about things you may not have firsthand, go to him. Maybe that requires you sitting down with an individual that you can trust or spending a little bit more time in scripture or when you're in a Bible study or you meet with a pastor or a respected friend or family member to, to talk to them as you wrestle through some of these doubts, but find some hardcore, concrete questions that can get to the, the, the issue of the matter, if you will, as to why these doubts have sprung up. Just like John did, are you the one or should we wait for another? The neat thing that I didn't say before that I want to say now is that second part of the question, or should we wait for someone else to come, he still anticipated, he still believed the Messiah would come, even though he had maybe some uh, lack of knowledge or a distortion there or a, emotional restraint that was preventing him from walking in faith. But he identified it and he needed answers and he went to the source. So make sure, my friends, as I conclude this podcast, whatever you're faced with right now, whatever challenges, whatever doubts that are consuming you right now, Get those questions out that you need to identify to get to the source that will get to the root of why those doubts and those struggles are there. And when you and I give them to the Lord, he will take them and our faith will be strengthened. Don't give up. That's the message for today. In the end, John didn't give up. He struggled, but he went to the source. 
That's what you and I need to do. So make sure you turn to Jesus. I love you, my friends, and I will see you on the next podcast. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.